Hey, welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast where we like to talk about all the nerdy things we enjoy. We're the Pixelist. I'm Will. That's Blake. And uh, bro, it's critical role time, baby. It's uh, it's Thursday, which, you know, we kind of got a little new tradition, which I don't hate because I love talking about this and then having a new episode yeah. in just a few hours. But it's critical role day. But today we're talking about last week's episode, episode right. 20. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it is nice. I was thinking about, it's nice to be able to like, talk about it. Like everyone we've been out, like with our week, we've been, you know, working, run all over the place. And then Thursday's a special day. So I was thinking it's kind of nice to put up this video today and be like, Hey, we're, we're having some critical role tonight though. I do like, and we have some really awesome faithful followers on the YouTube channel. And so I do like getting the videos out earlier than later so that a conversation can happen that's true because um, we have some really great dialogue that happens and um i'll just i'll just go out and say it um you know for you guys who watch the channel uh the fact that these videos keep coming out later and later is totally on me uh being a having a new kiddo um so i am very sorry for that and um i just i'd love to see us get back to our normal schedule i just i feel like we're playing jigsaw with our time schedule you know you have a pretty good excuse so i think i think everyone <laughs> will be cool with it yeah well anyway yeah it's it's critical world night and dude episode 20 like kind of a little bit of a milestone yeah oh yeah i didn't even really think about that but oh this that just reminded me with we were talking about doing like a a truncated recap to get people caught up yeah. quickly i think we said maybe we do it for chunks of 20 I'm yeah. just kind of like need to stop saying we're going to do something because we <laughs> I think we're like over for four on things and we're going to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Well, I still think we should do that, but maybe we I mean, not that we have to put it out right after episode 20 airs or anything, but so mm -hmm. well, we should we should be thinking about that in the back burner. I'm yeah. just I, this just came to me right now. So I wanted to yeah, say yeah, it no. before I forgot it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh well, do you want to, we, we can recap the episode, which by the way, if you guys have never checked out the channel before, we usually do, because these episodes can be for even sometimes longer hours long. Um, we like to do just a really brief 15, 20 minute recap. Here's what happened. And then we jump into our reaction, talking about the episode, what we think about it. Spoilers, we pretty much always say we loved it. Uh, <laughs> we're unabashed uh, Critical Role fans. But um, maybe we can do the the recap, and then we can talk about what we thought about the episode. Yeah, let's do it. You want to kick us off this time? Sure. Yeah, and if you're checking this out on just the separate video, we do cut these out as a separate recap-only video. Uh, so if you're on that and you want to see the whole deep dive discussion, you can go back to the original video. It's down in the episode description, and click on that and watch our reaction to it. So let's talk about... Actually, hang on, hang on. Let me get the title up here. Uh, just so I don't breaking and entering with an ellipsis at the end. <laughs> yeah, the dot dot dot. The dot dot dot's important. So all that to say, let's talk about what happened on episode twenty, breaking and entering dot 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 uh, of campaign three of Critical Role. So the episode starts out where it ended previously, which is a bit silly to say. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, beginning the heist. Um, it's sort of like the unspoken gunshot. Like here we go. And they are at Hydroga's estate looking for the lapis earring um, of the famed Dijin uh, that they were told about previously. So the party sets out. Their opposing party, uh, their competitors, the verdict, they scatter. They get going. And um, it's kind of funny because it's, it's, it, it almost feels like it hasn't quite dawned on them that they are having to break and enter this house. Because they're almost like looking for doors, they're looking for like places they can just slip in, and it's kind of like this unspoken like, okay, no, you have to, you have to get into this place. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, they're making their way like through these like hedges, and I kind of envision like kind of like a, um, you know, nice little garden area on the side of the manor, and essentially what happens is they do catch uh, of the verdict. The verdict group has actually also kind of splintered off. And this is important because there's a Katari and a uh, Goblin who's part of that group who are sort of like our um, comedic relief for the episode, but they're also the ones kind of letting us 
giving us an idea of the other party's pacing through um, this adventure. So they actually do spot the Katari and the Goblin who they've somehow tied this rope onto a second floor window, which are these windows are barred and they are shimmying up the rope. Well, Ashton actually goes over and tugs on the rope, um, <laughs> pulls and gets the Goblin to fall down into the hedges. And then as a, you know, Ashton's a favorite of mine. He's, he's got a lot of nice, um, he's a professional. And so he helps the Goblin up who then um, kicks him in the nuts. <laughs> and it's like, okay, why did I do that? Well, uh, he then begins shimmying back up the rope, and the goblin actually cuts the rope so that that can't happen again. And they're kind of like, ha, ha, ha. Well, Chetney has actually cast invisibility, and he's actually already on the rope, and he's between the Katari and the goblin um, as and just hanging on this rope. Yeah, uh, Shimmies to the top. The Katari is actually already squeezing through um, into the manor, uh, which Chetney follows. Uh, the Goblin comes up as well. And then we'll table that for a second because really um, Chetney, the Goblin, the Katari, the three of them, uh, them not realizing that Chetney's with them, they're going to do kind of like their own hijinks um, yeah. as this episode's going on. Meanwhile, the party, they like the inspiration of you know getting through a window. So they they similarly make their way, um, trying to break into one of the windows. They're trying to get through the bars, and they're not having a lot of luck. Um, Ashton actually tries to take his hammer, his hammer, and like bend the bars, like with the leverage of the window. And the glass isn't like your typical like house glass. It's almost like envision like tempered safety glass, or like it, this is a museum. It's 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 not easily broken, and so. Right. Orm's trying to slip through and like kick open the glass. It's not happening. It's like, you're a halfling, dude. This isn't happening. Um, Fern actually uses her wildfire spirit and begins to melt the bars so they can pull it apart. And Ashton basically, with the help of everyone else, is finally able to stretch these bars aside and just beat on the glass to break it open enough, excuse me, for the party to slip in and slip on through. As they get inside, uh, FCG is, I can't think of what the spell's called, find item maybe? Um, um, locate object, I think. Locate object, and he's basically looking for any lapis earrings <laughs> that are in the manor, and he gets this sense that it's down, it's below them, that they're actually in like the living area, uh, and the museum's actually quite a bit farther south, or uh, underneath them. So what essentially happens is the party then for the next probably 30 to 40 minutes are going through rooms of the house. Um, Chetney is following the goblin and the Katari who are like picking doors. They're going into rooms. They're finding funny objects that Hydroga, it's, you know, he's like this <laughs> gaudy. Um, they actually find a, a, a secret button that makes this mirror pop out above the bed. <laughs> Just let your imagination run wild with that. And uh, that's essentially what they're doing is they're kind of trying to figure out what's going on. The party, meanwhile, makes their way into like this foyer area with these two statues that um, these statues are trapped. And on seeing the party, they shoot lightning at them and actually damage them. And this is going to be a theme, by the way, with every room they go in. Every room is trapped, for the most part, in some way uh, and in a very unique way, um, which I know I got a lot of inspiration as a DM. I was like, there's some really cool ideas here. You can yeah. tell Matt had a ton of fun uh, oh, yeah. designing all of this. Um, without rambling too much, uh, the Katari and the Goblin, they actually do see the party down in the foyer and they're like, Hey, they're down here while Chetney takes a fishing line and ties like this little, you know, rope kind of home alone style. Uh, and they do actually, you know, dumble over it and they're like, where did that come from? And, um, you know, they're actually, Chetney's actually making their life a lot really difficult without them realizing what's going on. Uh, Orm's going to head into the kitchen, you know, whoosh, this trap is going to fling a bunch of kitchen knives at him and he gets pincered by them. And uh, Laden is like, are you dead? Are you okay? Like, <laughs> it's really serious. And she's coming in there because actually behind one of the paintings in the foyer, they have found this secret door that seems to lead down below the manor. Um, uh, Orum, excuse me, FCG realizes that it has a trap on it and does dispel, dispel uh, magic, dispel I can't think of what it was that he did, but basically the so, yeah. fizzles, fizzles out because of it. Um, Orem grabs some flour and some lentils from the uh, pantry. Uh, they can also hear on the other side of the pantry, they can hear the other remaining group of the verdict. They're doing something. They're kind of, you can hear that they're exploring on the other side. And then Fern even realizes that there's a door leading to the garden outside. And as she steps out, she realizes that um, 
there's like this illusory wall hiding the door into the kitchen. Um, so she's like, that's pretty clever. Closes the door, knocks the, knocks the handle off so that people can't come in. Um, and there's also, there's, there's some cool stuff that they're doing to kind of just make their competition have a more difficult life, uh, you know, difficult adventure here. Uh, they're placing ball bearings on the ground. Um, Orem is later going to take that bag of flour and hang it on the frame of a door. Um, and then also, um, Laudna is taking her a movable rod and she actually uses it to keep a door from opening that a member of the verdict's trying to open and come through. Uh, and that'll come up later as well. Um, Chetney following the Katarian goblin, they step into a room and are immediately like lifted up and glued to the ceiling by like this tar like substance. And Chetney's like, okay, time to go. <laughs> so he makes his way back to the party who have stepped into um, this descending stairwell. Uh, and they've also put rugs over the statues so that they wouldn't like cast the lightning, but they've taken the rugs off and Chetney catching up to them doesn't know about the traps. And so he immediately gets shocked by the lightning. <laughs> he slips on the ball bearings. He slams into the wall. The party's like, oh yeah, where's Chetney? And so they're like, hey, we're in here, man. And so he has to come back over, get struck by lightning again. Uh, <laughs> and the party's kind of like, hey, um, our bad about that. Sorry. Um, they go down the stairwell. Chetney actually can smell the Furbog, who's part of the Verdict group, and they realize that even though the Goblin and Katari are behind them, the rest of their competition is actually ahead of them. They go down into the museum, and uh, Sam Regal says something like, we did it, we won, right? And Matt's like, oh, no. And he goes <laughs> and gets this massive battle map and sets it out in front of them with every room covered up. And really, the next, the remainder of this episode is them going room to room, um, and each room has a different artifact in it. Um, it has a plaque on it, and each room is trapped in some way. So I'll read the first couple of rooms, and then I think we'll go to break, and then Will can take over. Yeah. Um, the first room, I just want to pull up the plaque. Um, it reads, the headdress of the lith or the lithe priest of the cult village of Hishari before its destruction. What terrible things has this artifact seen? Dot, dot, dot. And the dot, dot, dot is, becomes a running gag because every plaque, it's like, Matt's like, yeah, he really loves his ellipses. <laughs> um, but uh, they in this first room, there's this webbing that gets cast down and it webs them all to the floor. Uh, and they have to try to like cut themselves free. Uh, they go on to the second room. And this trap, or the plaque in here, it's a um, plaque that says, uh, there's this relic that sits on a plaque that says, the destroyed relic of the Zorhassian, sorry, dynasty, supposedly before the Calamity, now shelf its former power. Oh, the stories it could tell, dot, dot, dot. Um, this gas fills the room. They have to do a wisdom saving throw. And then they all, not all of them, but majority of them, they get, seemingly teleported to this black void where they're falling. Um, everyone panics. FCG actually shoots his grappling gun and hits Imogen <laughs> with it. And she's like, yeah. what are you doing? And he's like, I'm helping. Uh, Ladna begins like, I can't remember who like passed the save, but I think it's Ladna who's like, guys, you're not really falling. Like, it's just a trick. And FCG's like, no, we really are. But basically snaps them all out of it. There's a couple of doors leaving this room. They open one door and they see like three or four of the verdict like asleep on the floor and yeah. uh um fcg's like are they are they dead and they just decide i think ashton's like you know shh, just kind of like shuts the door and leaves them they go and open the other door uh and i think that's where we go to break so will do you want to wrap it up from there yeah so we come back from break and the two members of the verdict that Chetney had kind of been dealing with the whole time are like making their way toward where the party is. And they're still like tarred and feathered and everything. And so Chetney throws his ever smoking bottle, like back toward the room they're in, and then like immediately slams the door. And Ladna once again, puts the immovable rod to try to, right. you know, keep them at bay. Um, and so now they're in this next room and there's another item in here and it's this like carved wooden mask on a pedestal and the plaque reads uh, haunted mask of the mountain, a cursed relic that was once a sign of station with a dwarven noble house of Overog in Athansia. This mask was found near the body of every mysterious death within the family over four generations. Like dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So also in this room are these like five dangling marionettes, like these puppets that are hanging from the ceiling. 
And Detect Magic, I think that FCG casts, reveals that um, the mask is magical, as are the marionettes. And as they finish reading the plaque, all the marionettes fall to the ground. And Ladna whips out her new toy, Shashimi, and is like, we're friends, see? Like, I have (laughs) one of these, too. Um, But unfortunately, that doesn't work. And basically, Matt's like, roll initiative. So we've got this combat encounter with the marionettes and... Excuse me. Um, first things first, Fern basically casts Entangle to kind of like wrap them all up, but she unfortunately also wraps up Orum. And they're like, should we just run away? Because we kind of got these things handled, or should we fight? Um, but Fern's like, I really kind of want to take this mask. But she leaves it for now and goes and tries to help free Orum out of her vines. Uh, FCG tries to help her as well with his buzzsaw, but they can't seem to get Orum out. And as the puppets are restrained, they can't hit anything except what's near them. So the ones near Orm start to attack him, but the other ones that are restrained start to let out this like cackle and people in the party start having to make wisdom saving throws. And on a failure, they take psychic damage and they start cackling and they're basically incapacitated, like with this fit of laughter and basically soon enough, everyone in the party, except for Orm and Fern are are affected by this and are just laughing uncontrollably um orm and fern are immune to this that's the only reason they aren't fighting this and they just the party just keep failing their saves to break out of it yeah it's like a 12 and they're (laughs) like are you kidding me (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy they're having such bad luck and so they just uh orm and fern just start attacking the puppets that they can again orm is trapped so he can only attack the ones uh nearby him and eventually uh Laudna, fcg ashton and chetney all managed to finally make their saves imogen however is still just uncontrollably laughing so with most of the party back up they take out the remaining puppets and combat comes to an end um and when that happens, the door behind them where the verdict members are trying to get through starts to kind of like bulge and pulse. And so the party's like, we got to get out of here. <clears throat> so Laudna grabs Imogen since she's still uncontrollably laughing and they drag her along. And um, there's the way they're going is there was like this staircase in the floor that leads down. So Chetney casts Minor Illusion on top of that to make it look just like a normal floor and to hide the staircase. And uh, Laudna helps him by casting like Silent Image to kind of enhance the illusion. Uh, And then they also leave ball bearings like right beneath the illusion so that they can, you know, potentially catch him off guard. So they come down to the next chamber and we have yet another artifact. And uh, this one is a small pillar holding this like ominous looking book. And the plaque reads, The Journal of Vespin Chloros. Spent a mild fortune procuring this mythical journal of Vespin Chloros, thought lost to time. The horror scrawled within by the mind of one of history's greatest villains can drive one mad. Dot, dot, dot. So the party is again like, wow, like we really kind of want to take some of these items. But for now, they decide maybe we'll grab them on our way out. So yeah, I think we, we need to revisit this in the re- afterwards because oh, yeah. everyone was like freaking out over this. And I was like, Okay, I don't know what this is. Oh, yeah, for sure. We will. (laughs) Um, So there's the book. And also in this room are some doors. There's a locked door. And Chetney begins picking it. And they move on to the next room. And in this room, there's another display case. And it holds a long spear. And the plaque for this one reads, Spear of Judgment. The fabled Spear of Judgment bequeathed to Ioana Bretti. Forgive my pronunciation. High Cleric of the Law Bearer as she helmed the charge of her subjects at the walls of the great siege of the Dawn city, a true hero's weapon. So there's, that's, there's basically nothing else in that room, no traps that they at least trigger. Um, so Chetney picks another locked door to lead to the next room. Um, or actually this one might not have been locked, but Chetney continues on to the next room. And in this one, there is the masthead of a ship, um, which is like this warrior woman wielding a sword and shield. And the plaque reads the masthead of, of the hungry fathom renowned ghost ship of the osmet sea born from the sinking of the historical hespit pirate captain eldor Trornak, this recovered portion of the original ship is said to call out to its spectral counterpart how scary dot 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 so as we're looking at this fcg uh his locate object spell has run out so he casts it again and it guides them it's basically pointing him straight through the wall of the room they're currently in to the other side of this large chamber. So 
<clears throat> Chetney leads the way across and um, he, he, uh, Matt has him make a dexterity save and he rolls a natural one and Chetney just immediately drops out of view. And so he's sliding down this like greased slide into darkness about 20 feet before he lands softly. And with dark vision, he can see that the chamber is like all greased and the floor is like this semi-translucent like gelatin substance. So he immediately takes out one of his climbing uh, pythons, pitten, yeah. I don't know, uh, pythons yeah, and slams yeah. it in the wall and like tries to climb out, but it's greased and he's having a really hard time. So he immediately just goes werewolf and tries to help himself climb better. And <laughs> meanwhile, the rest of the party is like, whoa. And so they end up tying an, a rope to Orem and kind of letting him down this tunnel, uh, but it's not long enough. So they end up making like this human chain to extend the length and they basically get to the point where it's they're barely within reach so chetney if he makes like a leap he could possibly grab orm's hand and that's exactly what he does um and <laughs> with like the, i think he says he has like a claw and like his tendon yeah he, he like, like, claws and like that's tendon. <laughs> yeah and so all the while this is happening uh the floor of that chamber is like starting to rise up and there's like bones and various things like within it and uh chetney is having to make um he's been taking some damage and he's starting to have to make wisdom saving throws to like save against his own feral rage so and this is all happening over the course of like 15 to 20 minutes um this this encounter if you will so he makes several of those saves and they eventually do kind of manage to pull him up um but travis has failed these saves so when he comes up he just has lost himself and strikes Orem uh and does some pretty good damage to him I, if i recall correctly uh imogen seeing this happen immediately casts command on him and says stop and so chetney is forced to stop and he makes another wisdom saving throw while uh, fcg heals him which that kind of brings him out of this feral rage range and he regains himself and apologizes to Orem. and the party's like okay let's make sure we don't fall in this gap so across the gap uh there's the door imogen uses her mage hand to open it and there's this like big statue of a stone lion staring at them from the other side um and so one by one the party using various means but most of them just kind of leap over a few of them use the rope they make their way over this greased slide and into the next room uh and in this chamber is the earring it's in a glass case and its plaque reads wind folly the earring of hardon the earring worn by the mythical jinn hardon who forged the realm of taj najme before being outsmarted of it what a lesson for the ages to beware the deals one makes dot 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 <laughs> and <clears throat> so they're looking around and they don't see any traps in this room but there are these like strange alcoves that are beginning to change color and they soon notice that there's something forming in each of them something like a humanoid shape so ormush to the glass attempts to smash it um ashton does the same fern then casts to spell magic and i think she casts some other spell like uh, a damage spell on it and they just cannot get through um this glass ladna even casts uh I think a ray of frost and just they are not being able to get through it and finally with them failing over and over these things that are forming in the alcoves complete and they are like these clay golems and they step out and that's where matt leaves us and the episode ends with a dot 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 <laughs> dot oh man the dot 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 uh, so that is what happened in episode 20 of Campaign 3 of Critical Role. So if you want to see our full reaction, you're watching just the recap video, click the link below. Uh, Will, OMG, bro. Yeah. Great I mean, <laughs> freaking episode. Yeah. I mean, I, you, can. <laughs> you could pretty much just copy and paste our reaction for every, like, <laughs> what'd you think? But uh, yeah, this is like, oh, I don't know. I love it. It's like, no way. Um, man, this, you know, I just, I was just gonna say, I just love episodes where it's, it's, it's unfair to say clear filler, but like, it's, it's not as we know it so far, it's not part of like the grand narrative. It's not part of the grand story. Um, and I just love an, ep a, a, a D and D episode full of hijinks and fun and creativity that even when it has nothing to do with the overall story, which you and I, you know, we've mentioned that that's really what has drawn us into crit to campaign three or uh, critical role. Um, 
just what a great episode and just shout out to Matt for designing such a fun and creative yeah. uh, series of encounters, I guess. Yeah, so. it was, it was so fun. It was um, just such a cool like bottle episode. Uh, yeah, this, that's a good way to put it. This like murder or not murder, I guess, but I mean, we'll talk about that, I guess, actually a little bit later, but this, this like haunt haunt is not the right word either but this like mystical fun house with all these crazy traps and items and uh yeah it's a good way to put it yeah like a mystical fun house for sure um, it was it was just really fun it reminds me of an episode from campaign two where we kind of got a similar quote-unquote bottle episode and that is also one of my favorites so yeah really enjoyed this one and this uh, is a good well go i was gonna ahead. say this would be a good episode to tell people to watch who have yeah never yeah seen it. You know, just to get an idea of like how campaign three is going or a critical role, how a typical episode can look like yeah. without them being spoiled on anything. Like, yeah, no you don't really need. Whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Any information. You need to know about. Yeah. And that's funny you say that because the episode that I was just referring to in campaign two that this reminded me of, that is an episode a lot of people point to, to like, if you want to show somebody critical role for the first time, because it's similarly like self-contained and just really yeah. fun. It's always fun too when you watch an episode that the players are clearly having a good time with. Oh, yeah. Like there's just a lot of laughter. I mean, they always have a good time. Um, but you can just tell like them sort of discovering what the madman Matt Mercer has put together for them. <laughs> yeah. You can just tell they were really enjoying it. And um and I like that too, you know, like I think of like Chetney you know, going through the trap statue twice over and like tripping on the ball oh, bearings. Like he could have very easily been like, you know, oh, and I avoid the statues. And, you know, it's like, well, you don't know about the statues, but it's like he just enjoyed the, he like just, um, you know, soaked in the fun of the whole thing and was like, oh no. And, you know, that that whole thing. I thought, I I even forgot to mention there was a part um, where I think, maybe when they think they're falling, where Chenny like goes over to Ashton and like, is like snap out of it man and like you know slaps, slaps them him, yeah causes them to rage or whatever um it's just great to watch a show where people you can tell they're having a good time it really is and i think i i think i texted you at that exact moment um with with chetney like falling in those traps i said i just love travis's commitment here uh because <laughs> that travis is just such a good player because you know a lot of people yeah. would metagame in that way be like i don't want to take damage from these traps you know uh, yeah. and the, the part that was just so good was, I think that was all, um, kicked off because remember FCG yelled cause he was just trying to trick the verdict. Right. He was like, Chetney, like come downstairs or something. And so Chetney wasn't with him. He didn't know that was just like a, a gimmick. And so like he does it. And that's what I love. Cause you know, Travis could easily metagame and be like, Oh, I know that they were just, you know, using that to trick the other team. I don't actually need to go there. Yeah. Or uh, like, you know, the thing that's kind of funny to me, like the subtle metagame where it's like, I step into the foyer and I look around. <laughs> Do I see anything? You know, yeah. it's like, okay, I know what you're doing. <laughs> so, um, and man, I, I love the, I mean, just as a DM and I know you've been a DM, I mean, the creativity of the party to use so many, I mean, we had the ball bearings, we had the flower. I mean, putting the flower above the door, the door doesn't really do anything, but it's like, these are great sort of RP moments that as the DM, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking if I'm not deliberately giving out inspiration, I'm thinking, um, I'm, th- I'm just thinking like, yeah, thank you guys for being so committed to this whole thing, but very creative. Um, and everybody was super engaged. I mean, that's kind of what you want, you know? Yeah. yeah. Has Matt, has Matt given inspiration out this campaign? No, he doesn't really do that. Um, okay. I'm trying to think if he ever has. Uh, I don't think he has. I know, like, you know, Abria, I think, has done that a few times. Um, yeah. There's been a couple. This with this, not, this is not spoiling anything, but um, there's been some one shots that are like battle royales that are kind of outside of canon. Um, and I know that, like, for one of those, the winner got an inspiration that they could then use in the campaign proper. And so I think that's the only time that he's given inspiration like the dm type of inspiration i could be wrong though you guys let me know if yeah, there okay. was another time but yeah he uh i don't know what his i don't know i've never heard him talk about like his philosophy on that but um yeah he just doesn't do it yeah okay yeah well the only reason i was mentioning because i there was probably a few moments that i know me as a dm i would have been like yeah man take yeah yeah take some inspiration for that that was awesome so for sure 
it was it was just a great episode and uh i know i was thinking about how i mentioned the other episode and i was like man if i was watching this i would be really annoyed that i didn't mention what episode that was from campaign two for so for anybody that's like me it's the happy phone ball episode um so i just wanted to throw that out there so i didn't have any me's out there being like ah, that's so annoying what episode was he talking about <laughs> uh you'll never know <laughs> um well, but bro yeah did you have something well, I was just gonna, I was gonna ask about these artifacts. Yeah, um, that's what I was gonna say too. I was like, well, why don't we start there? Yeah, because you know, there's not, there's not a lot to like break down from this episode. Um, so this feels like the easiest thing to latch onto. Uh, Vespin Clorox. <laughs> <laughs> Vespin Clorox. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I, it's one of those moments where I, I just see everyone kind of freaking out and I'm like, I have no clue. And I didn't Google it, so I don't know anything from this, but everyone was pretty, and like even some people were like, there's no way he has that. Like it has yeah. to be a fake. So like, what's, what's going on here? So this is interesting because, you know, I like to consider myself pretty knowledgeable on, on critical role, but I didn't recognize that name at first. And so the fact that the cast really freaked out about it is like especially interesting um because they're not you know and this isn't a, a slight or anything but they're not like lore dictionaries them uh a lot of them are even like self-proclaimed like they avoid the content matt puts out because they don't want to spoil the story for themselves so the fact that like i didn't recognize that name but the whole cast freaked out about it makes me wonder like what's going on behind the scenes um but anyway let me give you some more background so Vespin Chloros is this guy, um, this powerful mage from back in the day, and he's actually the one that essentially set off the calamity. He, um, so if you remember, we were talking about the Raven Queen, who was a mortal that ascended to godhood. This guy was inspired by that and basically unleashed the betrayer gods in the pursuit of power and caused the calamity. Um, oh wow! So we've had we've had mention of that individual that set free the betrayer gods and you know yada 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 but to my knowledge that name has never been mentioned in any campaign before so like i knew the individual vespin chloros but i never knew the name vespin chloros like you like we know of the character who was responsible but he had right. not been named is right. that what you mean yeah okay so that's why it's really interesting that the whole cast again who aren't necessarily encyclopedias of the lore reacted so quickly and instantly to that name so yeah, you're right wonder... he's, he's never been mentioned in a campaign episode you're right so he, he, he's from the we've talked about this he's from the Taldore reborn came campaign setting mm. so there's another reason why we need to like dig into this book i think yeah. i interrupted you though so no, i i was just gonna say that's that's very suspicious to me and it makes me wonder on like a meta standpoint the cast must have been dealing with this name outside of the game for some reason. Now, is that because of legend of Vox Machina? Perhaps it's, it's become relevant mm -hmm. or yeah. some other IP that, that hasn't been announced yet. Like a, like a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pre like calamity like a, spinoff yeah, or? like a, like a comic series or something. Uh, yeah. I think it has to be, um, but okay, on so this, it's good. good on that note i think also that vespin chloras might be vecna and that, oh, that also might be why they recognize the name but especially because you know legend of Vox machina and all this stuff um because i mean it, we don't know who vecna was like before vecna um and also in the in the history of exandria video there's uh Again, the Vespin Chloris character is mentioned, but not by name. Um, and like the line preceding the part talking about him is like the person inspired by the Raven Queen, which slight spoilers, you know, Vecna is trying to emulate what the Raven Queen did and ascend to godhood himself. So it would kind of make sense that, you know, Vespin Chloris, who was inspired by the Raven Queen and released the Betrayer Gods, might also be Vecna, who was inspired by the Raven Queen to become a god. Ah, interesting. Yeah, and I love how you point out the sort of tell that the group gives on this. It, I, I, I didn't know any of the context. I, I just assumed this was like the big bad from Campaign Two or something. Right. I mean, because um, that's how they reacted. So that's yeah, why I was like, I mean, "What? They, who is that?" <laughs> and I, I, and I don't think I'm over embellishing this. Like, 
as someone who's totally ignorant to the stuff, like seeing how they were reacting, I was like, oh, this is a this is a major person. This is a real, you know, and even their disbelief that he would that um Hydroga would really have it. Right. Like being, it's not real, it's gotta be a fake. And then that's that's also what set up the conversation of like, we need to take this. When they were like, it wasn't just like random, like, should we take any of this stuff? It was like, oh, we need to take this with us. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, maybe do we need to take this? Do we not need to take it? Um, so yeah, I I do. It's a great insight you have there on was this a tell for something out of the campaign setting for something else they're working on? It I, has I to be. No offense to the cast, but like there's been some <laughs> reveals that Matt's dropped that like me, I'd be like, holy shit. And no one in the cast yeah. reacts because they don't, they're not putting two and two together. Yeah. Okay. Which, which are like way bigger <laughs> moments than this random name that's never been uttered in a campaign before. So there's... There has to be something going on behind the scenes. There's <laughs> no way there's not. As a DM to have like this huge reveal. I mean, be like, okay, yeah. Yeah, cool. okay. So, yeah, so we leave. Yeah. <laughs> That's like yeah. one of our campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and child are dead. Oh. Anyway. So anyway, what drinks are there available at this tavern? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's just a joke from for you guys who are watching. You know, it's fun to play D anD D, but my man Will, who's an awesome, he's like a Matt Mercer light, um, awesome I story wish. moments, and the players at our table would be just totally unmoved, just like, <laughs> okay, cool. Well, so uh, anyway, um, what card games are happening at the tavern? <laughs> you know, and he'd be like, okay, yeah, cool. I feel like yeah. I'd be the only one, but Get anyway, another beer. <laughs> so this is really interesting. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys in the comments, uh, your theories, your thoughts. Um, as I don't want to say spoiler free as possible because we're kind of just throwing out ideas, but I guess keeping it as focused as you can, meaning, um, yeah, I think it is Vecna. And then on episode 67, when this huge thing happened, that's the further, maybe keep that part spoiler tagged, um, for yeah. those who haven't seen campaign one, I know I haven't, um, but definitely let us know what you think here. Cause I will, I think this could be another great pixelist call out. <laughs> That turns out to be true. So, I mean, you know, he may or may not be Vecna, but I'm fully convinced that there's something going on because there's no way the cast <laughs> would all react to that name that's never been said before. Okay. And from what I could gather, this is the only name that that was of meaning. It seemed like everything else people were like, okay, yeah, cool. Like it seemed like kind of just like a fun lore mention. It, does that match your, your, takeaway or were there other names that popped up that you were like "Ooh, that's really interesting as far as like explicitly names like well, either names or just like descriptions of like objects or like like yeah. one for example was like the ghost ship from the osmet sea like does that ring a bell for you or was everything else just kind of like that was, was that the only one that, that piqued your interest i guess no, some a lot of them piqued my interest actually uh that was the biggest one for sure and i think the only one that was like a proper named individual type of thing that it was potentially something. Um, yeah, let's just let's run through them real quick. But uh, yeah. just to finish on the book and kind of these items as a whole, it's, it's got to be fake. Like, how could he actually have that book? That would be like one of the most dangerous slash valuable artifacts in all of the world, I would have to imagine, if that truly is Vespin yeah. Forrest's journal. And especially to allow people to see it. Yeah. To see it really. I mean, but on the same token, I mean, the gaudiness of Hydroga, I mean, I could see him almost not knowing what he has. Um, I mean, sure. He does know. I mean, that's the whole premise of like his artifacts is how like massive and how much wealth he's spent to acquire them. But, um, you know, could also ironically still be ignorant to, yeah, you know, the dangers of some of these things. Um, so, I yeah, know. I just, I don't know how I, I really don't. I mean, I think I'm, it's, it's, I think it's gotta be fake, but I feel like the possibility is there that it's real, but I'm it's leaning fake. I think it's tough because Matt didn't give us an object that was like a tell for these being, um, false duplicates. Yeah. Like you didn't or, say you notice, you know, or something. Yeah. You notice, um, you know, the dagger of, um vax vex <laughs> vax vex you know and be like okay well i know for sure he doesn't have that you know or, or whatever it would have been i don't know um 
but so we didn't get really any kind of tells, but, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it would be crazy if all of these are authentic and more importantly, I would love to see the party double back and take that book. Yeah. Cause they yeah. talked about it, but they also said, are we really going to have a chance to come back through here? Um, and what, what is that going to, I mean, Hydroga is obviously not going to be cool with that. So it'll be interesting if they do steal some stuff, kind of what happens with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention the fact that I feel like that can't be real, but we'll see. Um, all right. So just to, to run through the other items really quick, uh, we had the headband that was, uh, headdress of a lith priest of the cult village of hishari before its destruction what terrible things has this artifact seen um hishari the cult village of hishari didn't ring any bells for me i actually googled it nothing came up um so i think this is a brand new thing what was the detail though i forgot to mention this in the recap um matt said the armor's weirdly familiar to ashton oh yeah yeah uh, i want to talk about that too but that wasn't one of the uh plaque artifacts it was they were just like suits of armor in one of the rooms yeah um, it was in the hashari room though oh it was in the hashari room yeah and i don't know if all of it's hashari but it was in that very first room oh, okay i didn't put that together you're right it was it was it was like suits of armor that were in there um well um well let's just talk about it now then uh it is hashari armor oh it, it, is? it was hashari armor yeah okay but it's not the headband but it's all hashari gotcha i didn't I think, put together think, those were the same room I think FCG did detect, I think he was doing magic, detect magic for each of the rooms. Mm -hmm. And I think the next room, it was magical, but the previous room was not magical, maybe, or maybe the armor wasn't magical or something to that effect. Um, but yeah, let's maybe pause there for a second. Yeah. What was your, what did you take away from that comment? Well, I took, I, I noted it for sure, which was, you know, it was interesting that he would take a, a moment to point that out to Ashton that this is familiar to you, but there was no other context given. So, I mean, obviously it could be literally anything, but to me, I was like, why would Ashton be familiar with this as someone, at least to our knowledge has basically only been in Drusar for the most part. Uh, so it made me wonder, was this something that Gianna used to have and was stolen from her? And now, now this guy has it. Um, hmm. That was like the only even thing I could think of at the time, or I haven't, you know, dwelt on it, but that was the first thing that popped into my mind. But other than that, I don't really know why this would be familiar to him. Did you have any ideas? Uh, no, I mean, Ashton has always sort of downplayed his story. Um, we don't know much about like his backstory other than he was not rocky i guess until yeah, we still like really know what that means. Yeah. yeah we still don't know like in critical role lore terms is this like and we had talked about this was this kind of like a puberty thing like once you like reach adolescence you sort of um you know you you gain your earth genasi-esque features or was it something a bit more um magical or something that happened to him we're not really sure um, but so he's always kind of downplayed his history as being like, yeah, this sort of like this local, I think of it as kind of like a Robin Hood-esque person, um, not even Robin, that's, that's a bit too noble for his character, but just just like a good dude living in Dressar, you yeah. know? And so I do wonder if that was something that maybe the two of them have talked about, like a detail that maybe Ashton internally um kind of like took note of that too and was like huh okay yeah i see what you're implying there mm. or if it was totally like we have no clue not even ashton knows but matt is sort of breadcrumbing him to something else yeah. I, I have all that to say to answer your question no idea i'm not gonna rambled about it so no, i think i think i mean it could easily be either but i think i would lean towards the former that like you know matt obviously matt and talison both know the backstory that Talison right. gave Matt to work with. So perhaps it's, I mean, maybe it's something like Ashton was a soldier at one point and he wore that type of armor. And so it was familiar to him or fought against those soldiers before or something. Um, I, I mean, at the end of the day, we could speculate forever, but I do think that was something that wasn't just a, you know, throwaway comment. So it'll be interesting to see if 
if mm. we get anything in the immediate future regarding that or if that'll just be a breadcrumb we gotta fit in later once we know more be like oh yeah that's what he meant yeah and i'm searching for hishari for critical role and nothing's coming up so this yeah not only is it a seemingly brand new reference it's sort of doubly makes it interesting that there'd be that comment um to ashton so uh, let's actually real quick. What was the plaque? What did it say? Uh, of this one, the cult village of Hishari before its destruction. Yeah, that's what terrible things. Is this artifact? Well, seen? I'm not even tying that. If if this ties to Ashton's backstory in some way, did Ashton grow up in a cult? Did his whole family get obliterated? Like, I don't know. That's interesting. That would. I mean, I there's no reason to think this, but I also assumed all the things in here were ancient. But maybe, it's, right. I mean, it could be recent history, you know, so that's possible. Right. Yeah, because it doesn't give us a time. And so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so didn't recognize okay. Hishari, Googled it. And this is this this is nothing. I shouldn't even waste anyone's time by saying this. But my brain, <laughs> we're going to anyway. <laughs> my brain was like anagram, anagram. And so Hishari reminded me of Isharnai. And the letters aren't 100%. Because there's no uh, there's no N this in Hishari. Your, this is your anagram that is not an anagram. <laughs> it's not technically an anagram, but letters, but it's close. It's close. Hishari, Isharnai, cult you know, destruction. You, if you rearrange Hishari and change some letters, you get Vecna. That's right. That's true. <laughs> but yeah. so you I don't know. Can't just... do a carnival without thinking of Carla. <laughs> <laughs> Switch the L and remove the Niv. I'm like oh, he's right. <laughs> Oh man, we should. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, but so yeah, just fun. That's that's the first room. <laughs> fun little fun little tidbit for my campaign two people. Yeah. If it somehow is about a Sharnai, I want all the credit. Yeah, but we won't mention it if it's not. not. <laughs> all right, room two. Uh, destroyed relic. How do you say this? Zorhazian. 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 Dynasty supposedly from before. This is the relic. Um. Uh, supposedly from before the calamity now a shell of its former power oh the stories it could tell this is the the second biggest one aside from the the journal so this is a big campaign two thing um okay now again if these are fake or real who really knows um but what a real one of this was in campaign two and there, uh, I don't want to give too many spoilers. Um, I'll try to keep it very base level without details of, you know, storylines or anything. Um, but this item is like a, essentially like a, a religious artifact that is very powerful, very valuable, and um, is like wars would start over this thing. So very interesting that he's just got a seemingly broken one in, you know, his museum. Uh, so one, just a really cool Easter egg world building item to have as one of the things, but two just brings into the question, the legitimacy of all these things for me again, like how could he have this and how can hmm. he have that journal type of thing? Um, but yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. again, those would be the scene campaign too. I'm sure you felt similarly, but, uh, there's really not even much more to say, but but especially yep. without getting into spoilers. But that was just a really cool, you know, moment as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, room three, the haunted mask of the mountain, a cursed relic that was once a sign of station with the dwarven noble house of Overag in Othansia. This mask was found near the body of every mysterious death within the family over four generations. This is where you had the uh, marionette dolls. That yeah. Were and this... This one is just like one of the coolest ones to me. Just like a, you know, this mysterious cursed object. And what's interesting is, you know, FCG detected magic and the mask, as well as the marionettes, pinged on it. So I mean, it could obviously just be any old magical mask that he threw in there. But maybe it's a, you know, point in the column of this might be real. So, uh, uh, Othansia is like a real place. It's on the continent of uh isilra so that is like that is something that we've heard before it's not brand new like hishari um but there's not really that doesn't really mean anything to me overog i wasn't familiar with that um 
So don't have much to say here, but I would love to find out more about this one in particular, just because it was one of my favorites. Does Fern end up taking the mask or does she leave it? She leaves it. Um, okay. Cause no, she I remember she would, it. Yeah. I mean, I think she even, uh, Ashley Johnson was like, Oh, I want that mask. So yeah. badly. <laughs> and they were like, leave it. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to get that leg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be um, interesting to see if they do, you know, swing back to get things this, I mean, because Fern was so interested in this, I imagine this would be one of the things they might grab. Which yeah, I hope so, because I would love for FCG to identify it and see what yeah. like it has. I mean, surely Matt considered that they might want to take one of these things, and yet they haven't attempted to. Um, so, I mean, we'll see if they have an opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, as soon as they defeat the golems and grab the lapis earring, that, you know, spotlight comes down and we have our winners. Or, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, surely Hydroga's watching in some way, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I I mean, there aren't cameras, but he could be scrying on them or something. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's super interesting. More more on Hydroga in a bit. Um okay. but I think the next item was the book, which we already talked about. Uh, and the next item after that was the spear. By the way, with the book, I like how he called it. He spent a mild fortune procuring it. <laughs> yeah. He's like mild fortune. I mean, probably was a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. How anyway. much is this guy? Uh, uh, all right. Sorry. So the spear, go ahead. Yeah. No, no worries. The spear of judgment, the fabled spear of judgment bequeathed to Ioana Bretti, high cleric of the law bearer, as she helmed the charge of her subjects at the walls of the great siege of the Dawn city, a true hero's weapon. So not unfamiliar with Ioana Bretti. Um, the law bear though is one of the gods of like the world. Um, one of oh, the, okay. the good ones. Uh, and I mean, we don't, she's worshiped that, that the law bear is worshiped a lot of places as like the main thing. Um, the, uh, the, the crossroads, the twin roads, like it's slipping me right now, which one it is, but Remember that guy we talked about that was at the uh, the ball that uh, was the lord of the the quad roads or whatever? Yeah, uh, the reference to like an old yeah yeah campaign person. So the the law bear is like the god of that place. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah. And okay. I think I mean it's like a main god, but they just worship her there. So um, yeah okay. But yeah, as far as the person named that was wielding the spear and that type of stuff, that didn't mean anything to me. I don't think that's names ever been mentioned the, the reference to the siege of the dawn city is that does I, that ring a bell i think that's just probably talking about like during the calamity um okay. the dawn city is like was like the main uh the like the biggest city in the world like the main the capital of the world kind of thing okay. um so i think it was just the site of like a massive battle during that time okay Okay. Yeah. Um, the next one, the masthead, the masthead of the hungry fathom renowned mm -hmm. ghost ship of the Osmet sea born from the sinking of the historical Hespit pirate, captain Eldor Tronak. This recovered portion of the original ship is said to call out to its spectral counterpart. How scary dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one didn't specifically mean anything to me, but there was an interesting little potential connection that I thought of. Um, so, you know, one, just ghost ship, like how cool. Um, and, you know, the fact uh, that it calls out is interesting. But, um, sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Oh, the Hungry Fathom is apparently the, the ship's name, right? Um, just an interesting potential connection is that in Campaign 2, um, one of the character's weapons was the Sword of Fathoms. And... Again, without dancing into spoiler territory, the this was mm. sort of fathoms was connected to some dark shit, which I imagine a ghost ship might also be. So I just wonder if there's potentially any through line there of, you know, or maybe just fathoms is a cool way to describe a nautical object. But you know, maybe there's more there. That's interesting. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. You guys, you guys, let me know in the comments for those of you that saw campaign two if that. If you think there's anything there. Uh, the next room was the lion, which did not have a plaque. 
that was a yeah. bit interesting. I, yeah, was it just like a statue? I was trying yeah, like a statue of a, a lion. I figured it would might just be a trap. And it was, but they did. I thought they did like detect traps or like nothing. There's basically nothing in this room. Um, I don't know if the FTG like looked for magical items or not, but I feel like they looked for traps, didn't see anything. They didn't see a plaque, and then they just kind of passed on by it. Even they like threw a ball bearing at it. I think they ended up just passing on by it and going to the final room, which yeah. is a bit odd. I, yeah. it, it, surely they missed something, right? Yeah, I don't know. It is it is kind of weird to like have the spotlight, for lack of a better word, be on that for a second and then it be nothing. Um, which, I mean, I think is definitely that can happen and that has happened. But they like opened the doors and it was right there, right? I think yeah. like so it definitely seemed like it was something but yeah we didn't get any any answers or anything i mean my my best guess was it it's a trap that for whatever reason they circumvented maybe unknowingly or something yeah. or maybe it's a trap that has yet to have sprung maybe it, it will prevent them from leaving or something that's interesting yeah maybe it's like a guard dog so to speak like yeah. once you take the once you get the lapis earring it Ooh, activates that'd be cool yeah that'd be really so, cool well, then they step into the final room, and there's the earring in this, you know, very stereotypical like display case in the center of the room. They try to break into it. Um, the golems are forming, and it seems like we're going to get an encounter. Um, I think Orum actually does an investigation or something, and there's no switches or latches or anything to open up this display case. And then Ashton even tries to break it and I think does a little bit of damage to it, but um, has a high AC, I think. Yeah. I think he missed the first hit and the second one did hit, um, but still was only like a, a nick of or something or nicking it or something, or I can't remember. Yeah. And they were casting spells at it too. So it'd be interesting to see like golems aside how they actually get to this thing. Um, yeah, they've they've spent some resources. I mean, Fern, yeah, she cast Scorching Ray on it. Um, she cast that on the marionettes too. And yeah. so the party, it was really interesting. Um, sorry, randomly. It was interesting that, that Imogen had command in her spell slots, by the way. Um, cause I've just never thought of it as like a highly desired, um, thing, but yeah. maybe she took it with ex expectations of maybe stopping the other party. Um, all that to say the party has cast some spells. They, you know, aren't yeah. the greatest. I think Chetney had like four hit points coming out of the the goo pile. Yeah, um, yeah. Which that would have been bad, by the way. But uh Yeah. I don't know. Next episode tonight could be really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And uh uh real quick on the the plaque of the earring. Uh, which just again was uh, Wind Folly, the earring of Haradon, the earring worn by a mythical Jin Haradon who forged the realm of Tajnama before being outsmarted of it. What a lesson for the ages to beware of the deals one makes. That's my uh, that's my segue okay. into is there more to Hytroga yeah. than meets the eye? Because maybe that's like an on the nose thing. Like, be careful of the deals yeah. you make, as in like trying to rob me. And because. One, there's the question of are these artifacts real? And if they are, who is this guy? Yeah. Um, and two, you know, he made it seem like this is just a fun little fun little bet. You know, the the traps are harmless in the sense that like not life threatening, like, you know, type of thing. But we've had some that gelatinous cube trap was very deadly. I mean, Chetney could have died there, and I mean I don't know. I feel like that kind of goes against the the spirit of the competition that was explained. So I feel like there might be more than meets the eye going on here. And if so, that last line of that plaque might be like an ominous like little thing. Like maybe this dude lures people <laughs> into his murder mansion and kills them or something. <laughs> I think I think you make a great point that this is a bit on the nose and it seems to be implying something i i mean presumably we're, we're gonna i guess the other shoe's gonna fall so to speak tonight you know when it's probably not gonna be as simple as we got the earring like we win um, yeah i mean i don't know i think i think your your reptile brain is <laughs> <laughs> you know picking up on something so 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. It does feel like something's being implied there. Yeah, so I'm interested to hear more. And the if the if the two things are indeed clay golems, which they seem to be, uh, you know, we know Matt often does change stat blocks instead of just lifting things straight out the monster manual because he has to balance for seven players, sometimes eight. So they might not be exactly like they are there, but those are two of those versus a depleted party. That's like a deadly encounter. So Oh, is it? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it'll be okay, interesting yeah. to see. I mean, plus the whole fact that the verdict might show up in the middle of this encounter too. And like, well, how's that going to work? Are they going to, they haven't really discussed like, uh, would they kill each other? I mean, I don't think the Bell's Hells would kill them, but who knows what they would do, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, we're in a dangerous situation, basically. Yeah, we're going to see. Yeah, I feel that way, too. And, you know, you're right. Matt does, you know, I um, can't think what it's called. But uh, when you kind of create on your own. Um, like homebrew? Homebrew. Yeah, kind of homebrews a lot of his stuff. Um, I have a player in my campaign where I homebrew some stuff. And he'll be like, um, actually, that's not with that character. That's not That doesn't match the uh, stat block. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> it's not Thanks. what that does I'm like yeah i got it thanks <laughs> but um yeah i i'm interested How, we haven't seemed to get too much above the table in terms of like like didn't he used to like share stat blocks or share details of like monsters he created or... yeah not with any like consistency but he would like share things on twitter be like this is the item sheet for that thing that I introduced this session or like, you know, here's the model that I painted and maybe he'll share some stats and stuff, but it's always kind of been just at his own discretion type of thing. There yeah, were like okay. a constant influx of behind the scenes. Yeah. But okay. man, I would love if he did like just like a special hour or something that just like showed his DM notes and explained like his process. That would be so fascinating. Yeah. I mean, for sure. That would be really fascinating. Um, okay, cool. Well, tonight we're going to find out more, you know, see if this thing gets wrapped up tonight and um, if they make it through whatever, whether fighting these golems or fighting the verdict, um, ideally Ooh. they're going to. Yeah, I go just remembered something. Do you still have time? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, uh, actually, two things now that I'm thinking about it. The first one is I just remembered the extra bounty they were offered to embarrass Hydroga from Gianna Hexum. They haven't really done anything to embarrass him yet. So I wonder what, if they even remember that, <laughs> first of all. And if they do, I wonder maybe what, if we'll see anything, which maybe stealing some of his other stuff, maybe that would constitute embarrassing him. Um, I'm going to guess they forgot. It's kind of like when they went to the banquet or the ball. <laughs> And then like we're like two hours in or three hours in, they're like, Oh yeah, we're supposed to be we're supposed to be finding out who else is on the quorum. Like we should be yeah. that's like our main job. Yeah. I feel so, like that's uh, the safe answer is they probably just forgot about that stipulation. Yeah. We'll see. I wonder if Matt will like give them an opportunity, like we'll kind of give them a breadcrumb, like you notice this or what have you. And it'll be interesting to see if they jump on that or not. Um it, it's super vague. I mean, it's like, what could you do to embarrass this person for sure? Yeah. But um I mean, it's not like his estate's on public display, I guess, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. And then the well, only other thing um, was uh, Chetney's Feral Rage. Just we didn't really even talk about that at all. That's interesting. I don't, I'm not familiar enough with the typical werewolf rule canon to know if that's like a thing that all werewolves do, or maybe this is a match design, but that's just interesting to know that if he gets low HP, like he loses himself and might. Like so, like even as soon as tonight's encounter, like if things go bad, they might have to also deal with a raging werewolf that's attacking them. Yeah, it's. I'm wondering if it's specific to his character or if it's like this homebrewed esque thing. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how um, we finally got sort of like a clear answer on what Gurge meant meant when he said kind of like, "Hey, watch out." Um, I would be interested, like. Pres presumably what we've understood is like you get to a certain break point in HP like your final 10 hit points and that's when you start making the wisdom saving throws yeah I'd be intrigued if like we know that the um, you know lunar journey of mm -hmm. uh, Ruidus is it's like reaching like the peak 
over these next few months. Yeah. And um, that's been said as much that um, Imogen's dreams are going to be more intense. I would wonder if that mechanically, that break point, if it's like 10 HP now, if it's going to be, you know, 20, 30. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I wonder if it's going to happen more easily in the future. I think so. I mean, I think that is the more interesting choice. And I think it would make sense too. So, or maybe he even like on the night of the Zenith, like, loses control and like there's no he can't do anything about it so maybe they'll have to like lock him up or he was the big bad all along (laughs) yeah so uh be interesting to see but yeah i just wanted to mention that really quickly because i thought it was cool that we kind of got some more exposure to to how that works and that that is even a thing yeah for sure well, you guys let us know what you thought of the episode, kind of your favorite thoughts and theories on these um, artifacts that they came across, especially this Vespin Chorus book. That's uh, pretty intriguing. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at The Pixelis, and we'll be back in the near future to talk about episode 21 airing tonight yeah. of uh, Campaign 3. So That's right. What do, you, what do you think about the thumbnail? Uh, I think we've done this before, but I was thinking like just like maybe a mask because there are like maybe one person could be like a mask and one person could be like reading a book. Maybe it's like the Vespin Chloris book or something. Yeah. Um, I have a book if you don't. And then if you want to just like do a weird face or something. Okay. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't have like a mask on my desk. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a book nearby. Oh, great. I have this cursed mask <laughs> you know like you know do yeah, something yeah. weird like i'll do that. something like like this <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you guys for checking us out and uh enjoy tonight's episode yeah we'll see you till next time